Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have a very sick panel, uh, uh, although maybe we have that every week, Jorna. I know, Jorna, you are under the weather, and Jorna Taylor is here. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna? Um, good morning from this nasty woman. Oh, oh uh, that's a great drop. Um, and as always, Robert Craig, executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, Robert, don't be such a bad hombre. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent. I believe um, that was a great summary of the debate that occurred <laughs> Wednesday night. Uh, the last bigly. The last presidential debate. I know you're all going to miss them. They were extraordinarily insightful. Um, as you may be able to tell, I am under the weather. I've basically been sick for about five days now. Jorna, I know you've been sick essentially <laughs> since you left the podcast it's last true. week. Uh, rough. And, and this is going around, uh, so I'm sure a number of our that listeners is, might be listening untrue, sick. as my father told me. If you didn't live in a city, you wouldn't be so sick. He lives in Door County. Well, remind your father, <laughs> most of us do live in cities, so I think many of our listeners do. And if you're feeling ill, we're with you. Go uh, hang out with Jeff I, Taylor. And I don't want to be, be one of those insufferable liberals, but I did ride my bike to work for the fourth day this week, and I'm not sick, knock on wood. So uh, there. There is scientific correlation between exercise and better health, but now that I say this, I'll wow. be wow, 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 Jesus! That, now that I say this, I will well, be I will be struck down. But anyway, yes, I, I was going to so. say I'll make sure to uh, cough as I walk by you no, later. No, no, no hugging from that. Yes, anyways, uh, everybody hug Robert. So we have a number of things we're going to talk about today. Almost all of them related in some way to the upcoming elections. Um, so. Jorna, you had a nice drop to get us into the debate, and it appears, I'll just mention a couple of polls, that it looks like uh, post the second debate, uh, Hillary Clinton has a, eh, you know, a lead nationally, but in Wisconsin in particular, seems to be around a seven, eight point lead, and whether it's the Marquette, there was um, a, a a couple other polls, including the St. Norbert, that had her in this uh, result. And, and I'm not sure if, what their methodology is for taking into account the voter suppression, but anyway. <laughs> yes. We'll, and we'll get into some of the more details of the polls, but overall, right, the third debate, not much really changed here. This appears to be well, looking go good for Hillary. can we go back to the second debate, which is when Absolutely. most of these polls came out? And Robert, you mentioned voter suppression. Are you talking about that crazy man who's stalked that woman around stage during the second debate? Because that was certainly an attempt at um, voter intimidation. No, I was talking about photo ID, but, <laughs> which, um, which is the much more legitimate voter suppression oh, than anything oh, oh. his orangeness has brought up. Well, his stalking of Hillary is a little crazy. Um, and we can get to that in a minute. Yeah, and the third debate was, yet again, I mean, it was a brilliant closing argument for for Hillary, um, I didn't get to watch all of it. In fact, I was closed captioning watching it during a Pride Fest board meeting <laughs> and trying to catch the better parts like Donald Trump calling um, Hillary Clinton such a nasty woman, um, evoking Janet Jackson memes nationwide. Well, he understood that Janet is actually up for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year, so he just kind of wanted to have a Janet Jackson drop. I mean, he's pretty hip in pop culture. Yes. Uh, you know... I, 
look, like, I think that I read somewhere that it took about eight minutes for his orangeness to become totally unhinged again in this debate. And, you know, polls are reflecting this and the mass exodus of Republican support from Donald Trump among Republican leaders is is very telling. And the poll numbers and if you read 538 and Nate Silver's predictions, you know, this is I just want it to be over. I really want it to be over so we can move on as a country and start actually trying to do things for real people. Robert. Except oh boy. that uh, his orangeness has, for the first time in American history, uh, while running for president as a major party nominee, said that he may not accept the result. So a la, you know, developing countries with developing democracies, so to speak, or non-democracies. So that the media has made a huge deal of that, which is interesting. It's always interesting to see what the media will fasten upon. I don't know if the Hillary folks have done a brilliant job of priming them or they've just decided it's somehow a more legitimate thing than to talk about what it would mean to remove 16 million people from the country by force, for example. So there are other things they could be talking about uh, with with Donald. But anyway, they have fastened upon it and it's the entire media frame. Uh, it doesn't get move base Trump voters, but it may move some swing voters. So it's probably not good for him and it's his usual silliness. Uh, but I'm just pointing out that it has become the entire, it's at the top of every news report on the debate. Absolutely. And we know on top of that, that not only is he saying that he won't accept the election results, the hardcore, rabid Republican Tea Partyists are gearing up for some serious voter suppression efforts, not just in the form of photo ID, which, you know, they've been successful in doing that, um, but actually like voter intimidation at the polls and and things that we haven't seen in mass in the past few cycles. And I think that we should be prepared in, in Wisconsin. We haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we should be prepared for folks to really be on the watch and doing voter protection. Um you know, nonpartisan voter protection and for Democrats because they're going to be out there and they're going to be trying to stop people from voting. And by the way, this hasn't really come up that I've heard, but one of the changes that Governor Walker, the legislature made in order to try to win elections, which is and, and to suppress the vote, uh, which is what, what the legal case we're going to talk about a little later is all about, uh, allows people to stand closer. So their solution to problems yeah. was it's uh, three feet now, I think. Yes. So. Think about this, just to visualize angry Trump supporters screaming at folks trying to exercise their fundamental rights three feet away. That is uh, one of the sage decisions made by Walker and the conservatives in the legislature. I believe that was implemented also in the debate by Trump, right? You were were allowed to move within six, three feet of uh, your opponent from from behind, apparently. (laughs) So... We referenced, I mentioned some of the polling, and, and, and I want to use that as an opportunity to transition a little bit away from the presidential race uh, to the state of Wisconsin. We can talk a little bit about how it may be playing out presidentially, but also we have a very important state, uh, a U.S. Senate race. Um, the last time we talked about polling, um, it was the Marquette poll, and Ron Johnson was one or two points behind Russ Feingold. We talked about some of the, some concerns around uh, the sampling. The last two polls that came out this week, and I referenced the St. Norbert's poll, and we've had good fun poking fun at the St. Norbert's poll. I'd like to talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, but another poll that shows that that is that is a eight to double digit margin for Feingold. In fact, running stronger than Hillary Clinton. It's very 
Very interesting, Robert. Uh, your thoughts on polling in general, but or specifically this. Do you think something's happening, or is this just more noise? Well, it's now a staple of horse race journalism, and so these polls write stories for journalists. They don't have to actually cover issues or educate people about campaign. So the last Marquette poll was especially egregious because it they did it during uh, the, the release of the uh, of the Trump locker room tapes, as he's calling them. The pussy grab. Yes. So literally, they were they were distorted at the beginning because they were pre-tape, and they were pre they were distorted during because the reaction people have is more extreme during an event. So uh, that poll was junk polling, but of course, it nonetheless it was duly reported everywhere. So this polling, unless Matt has other insights into Saint Norbert or Monmouth, seem was is probably better polling than the last Marquette poll, uh, but. People don't actually know the composition of the electorate. And so when you're talking about, what is it, 4% margin of error with a 7% uh, difference, that's not a 7% difference, just to be clear. But that is not never fully understood. So the election is close enough to go either way is the only thing you can actually ascertain from these polls, though they're leaning Feingold and leaning Hillary. And Hillary's has a bigger lead than Feingold. Feingold is clearly the Feingold-Johnson race, especially with all the money being poured in, the record amounts for Johnson, cannot be taken for granted by progressives in any, in any way, shape, or form, no matter what, whether there's a seven-point lead in these polls or not. So... Yeah, look, I, I think you're absolutely right. A lot of this could just be the noise. Um, there is something, I think, interesting going on. I'm going to just kind of go off the cuff here, but we've talked about it before, and that's the trade issue and TPP. I, I think Feingold, and we've seen this on the doors in our canvas, uh, both in the Eau Claire area and in Oak Creek, talking to independent voters. There are a lot of voters out there who are voting for Trump, and they're going to vote for Russ Feingold, and they're going to do it because of trade. He has been unequivocal about it. The St. Norbert's poll actually found that trade is a huge issue. So it's not a surprise that we're seeing this, that he would actually be in these both these latest polls running ahead. He has been consistent on this issue. And in fact, just yesterday, Ron Johnson came out much more strongly, actually, finally, Maybe read no, TPP, Jorna. somebody read it to him. Because he's decided that he sounds like he might be in favor of this. He's suggesting that the U.S. economy would be greatly damaged if we didn't support TPP. We know so, he's for TPP. This is an, Robert. And Feingold has made a very, Robert, in the last debate, both debates actually uh, made that plain that this guy is playing politics. And he looked so mad, uh, Johnson, when this whoa, is said. Whoa, we, we have to fill him in on what the nighttime reading over at the yeah, Johnson I'm household. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, He's Robert, not done yet. We've been talking about Ron Johnson and TPP for a long time on this podcast. And, you know... Ron Johnson's been really busy. He's a businessman. He has to run a business. He's a United States senator. He has to run government. He doesn't have time to read such documents. So he has finally gotten around to having perhaps his wife or perhaps some sort of other assistant paid assistant in the evening um, read at the bedside. parts of it to him. And he has, you know, come around to this decision. No, no, no. All he has to do is ask corporate CEOs what they would like. And that's it. That's the whole process. He doesn't need to know. He right? Oh my goodness! Isn't that isn't that what it is? Look, this people that are sitting around in amazement that there's still thirty seven percent, thirty eight percent strong support for Trump, and they can't like figure it out. The reason why is this issue. It's trade, 
And it's also the reason why I'll say it. I think Feingold's going to win this race, and he's going to win this race because of trade, and he's been clear from the beginning when he first entered the race all the way through. And uh, so it's fascinating that this is playing out, but want to encourage people as it relates to state legislative races. We don't talk a ton about the state Senate and the state assembly because it's complicated. We don't have a lot of really good information usually about what's actually occurring in all these races. And uh, the one thing though that we're clear of is that a lot of folks do not know who their state rep is that are gonna go vote, right? No matter how well-known your state senator, your, you know, your state representative is, so the doors that you can do as a volunteer in any kind of canvassing, the last couple of weeks can be very critical in these state legislative races. And we have a ton of drop-off in presidential. And drop-off, I mean, folks who will vote at the presidential, vote for uh, U.S. Senate, but then will not vote for the state legislature because they, quite frankly, have no clue who any of these people are. And so they just feel, I'm not going to vote. And those door visits and a lot of the... Uh, uh, programs that are out there these last couple of weeks are really targeting a number of voters uh, that fit into these kinds of universes that really need this information. So really want to encourage people to get out and participate in programs. That is the real takeaway aside from all the polling. We can make a huge difference in these state ledge races. So before we move away from polling, can we talk about one more really fun poll that is out there right now? Love to. Okay. So um, our favorite congressman... Paul Ryan, uh, the speaker, the esteemed speaker from the first congressional district of Wisconsin, uh, is falling out of favor with Republicans. Uh oh. So a YouGov economist poll that came out this week found that Ryan's favorables were have declined by twenty eight points among Republicans over the past ten days. Wow. Uh, and they're attributing that to his very public um, distancing and fighting with his orangeness. Um, because if there's one thing Republicans are doing is they're standing by their man. <laughs> that It's funny that you mentioned that this, the, uh, the, uh, the, I think it's the Monmouth poll actually showed how this is playing out for him where he's got this problem where 21% of the voters think that Ryan's been too supportive of Trump. 33 say he's not been supportive enough. 36 says he, he, that he gave the nominee just the right amount of support, right? It, it, he's in a place where he's getting torn apart, right? And this is part of what Trump is doing to the party, which will be interesting to see as we go forward. Although oh. Robert will again point out that we That's know not that what the I'm going to say okay sorry <laughs> I, I'm not suggesting that they they don't all have these same values but this is really putting them in tough spots Robert I'm going to say something more controversial than oh nice. I'm going to say this kind of effect with Ryan even if it's temporary uh, actually challenges some of the core premises of American democracy because the core premise of American democracy is, is that we have rational voters who have values and have beliefs about issues and that they assess candidates based on them. And therefore, when we elect candidates, somehow it's an expression of the popular will and therefore mm -hmm. government actions have legitimacy. But all of the folks who are flocking towards Trump show that the bigger decision is which side is my side and, and therefore, what, how do I just identify with that side? So it's no different than saying, I'm going to, if I'm an ethnic group, I'm going to find out, you know, 100 years ago what the Polish position is, and then I'm for it because I'm Polish. So it goes that way. So Trump is a Republican nominee. 
I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative, therefore, uh, therefore I support him, period. And so that really undermines the idea that there's any kind of values check where, oh, I could never support a candidate who didn't, didn't uh, agree that they would step aside after the election if they lost, or I could never support a candidate who would violate human rights at a gross level, et cetera, et cetera. Those checks don't work. So it's a little bit scary, and it tells you that kind of uh, hummingbird kind of mechanism where group, what group, what, what's my group and what is my group, what is the thing my group is supposed to do, uh, tells you. And so Ryan right now is in this liminal position to use what, uh, anthropologists would say. It may not, probably isn't permanent where he is out with his own group because he is questioning the Republican nominee. Wow. Actually, Robert, I can totally relate. I'm going to do some truth telling. Bonnie and I started watching the debate last night. After 15 minutes, we couldn't take it anymore and switched over to the marathon Walking Dead. Mm, I would have switched to the Cubs. But, but, but Robert. Zombies or other the, zombies. The, 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 we're in season three for Walking Dead, folks. The whole battle is over what you just said. It's about identity. Mm-hmm. Do you do you have real sort of true values and morals that you stick to, or are you much more about this is our team? I'm Woodbury, or I'm in the prison, right? You know, and 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 that identity of who you are and what are your true values are always constantly in play. In some ways, greatly structured I, by two parties or two sides. So, anyways, I am the Sneeches with stars on their belly yeah. candidate. All and right. it's a disaster if the Sneetches without stars on their bellies win. It'll end, it mean the end of life as we know it. And it's always worth at least thinking about these things. As, well, I as, think it's a little bit more like the Zacks. There you go. Where they can't go forward. They just stand in front of each other. So I think that wraps up our discussion. <laughs> our Dr. Seuss review. <laughs> oh, this, this is good stuff. Anyways. This is what happens when we're sick. Yeah. Brilliant. So, Robert... We need an update on the voting rights case, right? This has been moving constantly. Uh, what is the latest going on in terms of uh, our ability to actually express our democracy? And this is on multiple tracks, and this is the case brought by our 501c3, Citizens Wisconsin Education Fund, one Wisconsin Now, C3, one's Wisconsin Institute. Our Owen Anita Johnson on Citizen Action Staff is an independent plaintiff as a voting rights advocate and expert, and some other plaintiffs, uh, direct plaintiffs. And we know we, there, it was really in the news a week ago how Judge Peterson was appalled about the DMV scandal and voters not being given voting credentials as they should and being told misleading things like you need to go back to Illinois and find a birth certificate, whether it's there or not, even though a person lived here, um, and ordered the state to come up with a plan to educate people and to get the DMV people saying the right thing. And so that's in process where there may be a major public campaign to try to clean up the mess that the Walker folks have made in their not even following their own declarations and the Attorney General's declarations of how they were abiding by the Judge Peterson's July orders. But in addition to that, so that's ongoing. On another track, uh, our attorneys are appealing the judge's ruling because he didn't rule against all of, in our favor, about all of the various voting rights tactics, uh, the suppression tactics in legislation passed during the recall and after by Walker and the Republican legislature. And so that is that appeal has been filed. It's a 75-page brief. And uh, what the case we're making is, is that the intent of all of these things, 
was to win elections for partisan purposes and to suppress the votes of young people and minorities, and that any law that has any even partially that intent, even if it also had other intents, is invalid, is unconstitutional, and violates the Voting Rights Act. And so that is going up to the appellate court level. And the evidence is overwhelming because we have smoking gun evidence about the deliberations and about what Glenn Grothman and Murray Latchett said and about how the more weak need uh, what is we call moderates like Luther Olson all had stomach you know pains over this and found it unsightly. But then of course vote, were there in the end to vote with their with for, with the stars with with the sneeches with their stars on their belly side right the voter suppression side. Robert, wrong. That was not why photo ID came about. You're wrong. It was to stop the bigly amount of voter fraud. I was reading an article yesterday, actually, that um, a very well-respected um, professor, actually, at Loyola, who has been working in election administration for a long time, uh, actually investigated the 31 cases of potential voter fraud yes. in the entire country over 1 billion votes cast in the past like yeah. 14 years or 20 years and I mean <laughs> and and when you read through the actual cases it's like somebody signed the poll book in the wrong line so we're not really sure if that's voter fraud or not I can't see how that would be because I saw Rudy Giuliani representing Trump on all the Sunday talk shows saying that there's voter fraud rampant major cities wrong. all over the country so if Rudy said it right I, 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 <laughs> wrong <laughs> yes so in fact this is how you know that uh, the famed Milwaukee right-wing talk show host, Charlie Sykes, who claims to have seen the light about right-wing radio and is becoming principled. How you know he hasn't? Because until he actually comes clean on the fact that he vo he ginned up fake voter fraud at the direction, by the way, of Walker and the Koch-funded groups, that's what was shown in the Manchester Guardian uh, document dump, uh, I won't believe that he's changed because he, he, isn't, he hasn't renounced any of those positions, just for example. So they are willing to make up something fake in order to try to win elections and, and make it harder for people to vote. And by the way, our case uh, at, uh, puts together some, there's some social scientific research in the case that shows that uh, voter participation for minorities in Milwaukee went dramatically down between 2010 and 2014 as measured by the gap between that and, and overall white voting in the state. So just FYI, this isn't just anecdotal. There's social science now from UW-Madison to back up the fact that it, it, it worked to reduce minority voting. Can't trust that liberal institution. Well, that's why it will be defunded. You can, yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, Robert, uh, you, you mentioned our uh, Charlie Sykes, and I want to remind our listeners that we are in the middle of a massive membership drive for our organizing cooperatives. And... That is uh, both our cooperatives here in the southeastern Wisconsin area, but also western Wisconsin up in the greater Eau Claire area and a co-op that's trying to be built in Green Bay, Appleton, and the Fox Valley area. Uh, really want to encourage you to become a member. And in particular, if you like the podcast, you listen to the podcast, you understand the role of media. And I really, really want to challenge all of our podcast listeners this week to go online and join our Radioactive Project and become a cooperative member if you are not currently. If you believe in this podcast and you believe in the importance of media, you really ought to be in the cooperative. And so if you don't know what the cooperative is and what Radioactive is, two things. 
One, go on and read the blog that we're going to link about Charlie Sykes. It's written by one of the uh, lead organizers uh, in the Radioactive Project. It'll help you show some of the level of involvement of members in this project. But two, and it's analysis of the code racism of Charlie Sykes in the Sherman Park uh, incident, which of course will should this is all after he saw the light, and we'll see that the same old Charlie dividing on dividing uh, Wisconsin on race. But I want to flag that because it was written by one of the member organizers or member leaders who helped bring about Radioactive and why you should get involved in this project if you care about trying to have a balanced uh, media. And if you have any questions and want to learn more about it, please contact Terry Williams at Citizen Action. You can reach Terry at terry.williams, that's Terry with an I, dot williams at citizenactionwi.org. Please reach out, get involved. You need to join our cooperative in the Radioactive Project. So with that, Robert, there's before we go to furloughs, which furloughs this week is going to be talking about getting out and voting, uh, getting out and working, um, can you tell us a little bit, for tell our listeners a bit who've been watching the avalanche of Ron Johnson ads, and I mentioned last week, right, wow, for a second-tier candidate, tons of money, and he's basically, he's running on a bunch of complete, I'll call them lies, but at best, if we're generous, complete you know, completely misleading people about the Affordable Care Act. And I'm sure folks have seen these commercials. If they watched the debates, uh, this was central in the debates. It's almost, it's infuriating to listen to the sort of low level of logic that is applied uh, to this. But please help educate our listeners about what he's saying and what the actual truth is. Well, he has various revved up partisans uh, looking at the camera saying that, that, that insurance prices have increased two to three times since the passage of the Affordable Care Act, and that it's destroying small business, it's destroying people's lives, they're paying more than their mortgages, et cetera. By the way, who knew that right-wing conservatives cared about the cost of health care and access to health care? Because they certainly didn't before the passage of the Affordable Care Act. And in their solutions, they certainly don't care, because as Russ Feingold has pointed out, his solution is to throw 20 million people off their health care. That's going to be great for everyone. But the premiums will be cheaper, Robert. Their premiums are cheap. Maybe it's possible they're cheaper because you're, he's going to legalize substandard lemon plans again and pre-existing addition discrimination. So the healthy people will get plans that will drive them bankrupt and deny them health care when they actually need it. They actually get a di- cancer diagnosis, et cetera. So they use this. That the right-wing spin machine is very good at this. They have this uh, junk science from the Manhattan Institute that claims that there's this huge difference in cost. Uh, the, the first problem with it is, is that it assumes we actually know what the cost of, of health insurance was before the Affordable Care Act. Guess what? They didn't have to reveal it in any way, and the insurance companies individually underwrote each policy. And so we don't actually have real numbers. We have what insurance companies say was some average. They're not public numbers like the Affordable Care Act, where we know exactly what the price is going to be for every plan, for every kind of coverage, and exactly what's in the coverage. They did not take into account the fact that a lot of them were substandard lemon plans where literally you could end up with $150,000 debt and be denied actual treatment, even though you were insured. That's what it used to be like. And didn't take into account the fact that the population that was getting these good prices, had pre- they didn't have pre-existing conditions. The insurance companies decided who to insure. So the freedom Ron Johnson is offering is, let's go back to days where the insurance companies decide what to charge you and who to insure and whether or not you have a right to health care. So it's the Health Insurance Company Freedom Act. Now, as far as the overall, so, it, so it's completely misleading and horrendous. It doesn't even talk about 
the tax subsidies that people are getting, if you take those into account, if you take those away like Johnson does, it would dramatically increase the cost of health insurance. And by the way, even though we are really worried about the inflation rate, the high deductibles, uh, the, the high premiums, uh, the rate we estimate that the rate of inflation in Wisconsin was has been 7.5% a year under the Affordable Care Act, way too high, right, on the marketplace. It was 15.9% year uh, per year previous, the previous three years for the passage of the Affordable Care Act. So it was more than double, okay? So what do we need to do? What does this mean? Does this mean that we go backwards? Because uh, Walker, because Johnson said in the first debate that he wants to turn back the clock, and jo Feingold was all over that. But he wants to turn back the clock, or do we realize? And this is the obvious rational thing. The Affordable Care Act was an imperfect step forward. It banned discrimination. It did a lot of good things. It banned like lifetime limits and annual limits and a lot of other really bad things. But that we didn't. It wasn't the end all of reform. We still need to work on prescription drug costs. We need to still deal with, with the underlying costs of health care, medical services, which are the second highest in the country in, in Wisconsin. Um, and, and there are a whole bunch of reforms that we put forward, that Democrat legislators have put forward. They even get hearings. So the entire plan of Ron Johnson and Paul Ryan, quite frankly, and all these other folks, uh, they, they claim they have plans. But in reality is, is to kill the Affordable Care Act because they don't believe in guaranteeing that everyone should be able to get health care no matter what. So if you want a full you know, uh, breakdown of what Johnson's been saying and the actual facts, you can find that in a blog. We'll have a link to it. With and our podcast on the one website. One other quick follow-up, and I'll provide a Wisconsin, uh, a Wisconsin Public Radio story link as well. Um, the uh, insurance commissioner, under Walker, has all of a sudden become very transparent about rates because there's a big increase, uh, average of 15.9%. Last year, we're the only state not to release the rates because the increase wasn't much. So we're just making decisions based on propaganda. Uh, but... That the, the issue is that 37,000 people in Wisconsin, according to the insurance commissioner's office, have to change plans because their insurer left the market. Now, in many cases, this is the big for-profit insurance companies, and here's the thing: they're, they're, they've they've found a way to do pre-existing condition discrimination again. There is too high a percentage of people with health conditions on the Affordable Care Act marketplace. So what are they doing? They're going to other places to get healthy people to insure, and then they're abandoning the marketplace. It shouldn't even be legal. By the way, if you want to sell insurance, you should sell it to everyone. How about that? It's really simple, right? Because we need to get them out of this model where they're trying to game the system and figure out how not to insure anyone who needs to make claims. I mean, that's literally their business model. And so this is all part of the gaming, the system, and we've pointed out repeatedly that the Walker administration has been part of enabling this and extending uh, lemon plans, substandard plans, so that healthy people are separated from sick people and so that insurance companies can profit without actually insuring everyone and guaranteeing the right to health. <coughs> so <coughs> we'll, we'll provide Excuse a link what? on this. <coughs> Sorry, this Pre sick guy cough. here. We'll also Sorry. be telling you the insurance commissioner is going to have hearing town halls around the state, so we will be telling you about those as well. Oh, um, we've got to so, let the healthy horse Robert run. So, <laughs> listeners, um, he, so Robert has said that he wrote a blog about this, but that you can learn more. But I suggest, I mean, Robert's pretty hyped up about this stuff right now. So um, I think he could use a microbrew or two. So perhaps you could oh, make an appointment to I buy a Robert a microbrew at the no, fundraiser. At the fundraiser. Come to our eighth annual brew fest on November 17th, and learn five to, seven, five to eight at Zach's Cafe about. in Milwaukee. Learn all about <laughs> And I know Jorna will 
be there having a good beer, right, Jorna? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Go. I'll put her on the on the list. So <laughs> for listening to you talk about healthcare, I get to do that a lot, Robert. <laughs> so it's the weekend and we have a lot of canvassing opportunities that we wanna make you aware of. And all of our canvassing opportunities end with pizza at the end. What so, kind of pizza? Well, actually, in South Milwaukee, I can attest to the Oak Creek, South Milwaukee, is Barbier's, which is excellent. I.e. expensive pizza. Oh, it's very oh, good pizza. Uh, it's expensive oh, pizza, Thank Robert you, curmudgeon. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes. Pizza. So we are canvassing again in Oak Creek, and we're gathering at 9 o'clock. The address is 1320 Manitowoc. We actually will have all the details on our website. Really want to encourage you to get out. Again, we're talking about the economy, and we're making huge progress with a lot of voters. These are all independent voters, working working class voters, and many of them have no idea who their state rep is, and we can play a major role in the Eau Claire area, helping Howard White. And so that group is uh, also getting together. We'll have the address. It's on Barstow at the... Uh, the Dem County offices, our folks are gathering there and then heading out. Um, we'll have details again on our website. And this weekend, we're expanding into Wausau. We'll be doing work in Mandy Wright's district in Rothschild, talking to the same kind of voters about the economy and why it's so important to vote for Mandy Wright. So I will be there if, uh, on, on Saturday in Oak, or excuse me, in Oak Creek, Jorna. What are you doing when you get out of your political bunker this weekend? Um, I'm going to do my best to work with everybody's favorite horses. George. George and Reno. Reno. To make a plan to vote. Who's this Reno person? I'm going to try and get them to make a plan to vote. Okay. Good, good, good. Uh, hey, Robert. What? When you're not complaining about how much the pizza costs. When you're, yes. <laughs> when you're done being upset about the high prices at Barbier's. Is is got to be a big pit game this weekend, huh? No, Georgia got anybody going down? No, no, they're Cubs game. Oh, I forgot Bartman. So uh, we'll see when the listeners hear this. It'll either it'll be either three two Cubs or three two Dodgers going into the final two games at Wrigley Field. So, well, good that. luck to the Cubs. It's been a long stretch, I hear. Well, 1945 since they were in the World Series, so I think that's actually the first step, not necessarily winning it, 1908 since winning it. And until they scored 10 runs yesterday uh, in the last part of the game, uh, they had had the uh, worst scoreless streak in postseason history since 1919. Now, in 1919, that was the White Sox, the Black Sox, and they're trying to throw the series. So, actually, <laughs> they could only only be outdone by a team that was actually trying to throw the World Series. Uh, yes. Well, good luck to the Cubs. I think uh, they are certainly I – don't, I don't know if they're very popular here in Milwaukee, but we know nationally uh, there's a lot of support out there for the Cubs. Hey, folks, get out and volunteer this weekend. Uh, that's what I will be doing uh, when I am not. I'm also going to a family – Shower down in Rakhine, as Robert likes to call it. And I, will, I will be at the deep canvas. Very good. We'll all, I think we're all going to be at the deep canvas. Uh, so, folks, get out and uh, help your candidates of choice. And we'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. <laughs>